right, everybody in the car. Let's go. What are we gonna do first when we get there, Mom? Go for a hike? Sure. What about canoeing? Can we go canoeing too? I don't see why. How long does it take to get to the forest? It's not that far, sweetie. <sighs> are we there yet? Yep, we're here. Already? It's a short drive from your neighborhood to your naturehood. Visit discovertheforest.org to find a neighborhood park or green space near you. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the U.S. Forest Service. for the traditional post-series handshake if they can get the Jets loose from all of their fans and each other. We're number one. You can't argue with that. Yes, they are. And now the players are shaking hands. The Oilers will go to their dressing room and the Jets will stay out for the presentation of the AFCO Cup. And they will have permanent possession of that cup having been the last team to win it as the WHA is now officially no more. Next year, it's all one league, the NHL, with four fine teams coming into one of the oldest professional leagues in North America. Welcome to Good Seats Still Available, a curious little podcast devoted to exploring what used to be in professional sports. Here's your host, Tim Hanlon. Holy mackerel, we're back again. How are you, everybody? It is uh, your pal Tim, and uh, it is Good Seats Still Available, our curious little podcast journey each and every week, despite all the odds against it, into our little journey into what used to be in professional sports. That Yeah, that's our niche. That's our little rabbit hole of intrigue. And uh, we're uh, finally skating back into hockey, and we're happy to do so. The uh, clip there at the top here probably gives you a little bit of a sense of where we're going this week. We're going up to Winnipeg, Winnipeg, Manitoba. Beautiful up there, especially this time of year. Uh, Sure, I'd like to visit, but, uh, you know, of course, the border being closed makes that a little difficult. But we can do so electronically with our pal Curtis Walker this week uh, as we get into the original version of the Winnipeg Jets of the old World Hockey Association in the 1970s, 72 to 79 to be exact. Perhaps one of the uh, most successful, I think that's fair to say, franchises in WHA history. Certainly, they were in many championship series, for sure. Uh, They even won a bunch, including that last one in 1979. Called for you through the dulcet tones of Al Shaver. Yeah, he, the longtime voice of the old Minnesota North Stars, not quite sure why Al was calling the the final Avco championship series uh, between two Canadian teams in the WHA. I don't know if that was... uh, allowed or he was breaking his contract or he was a free agent uh, for that gig or, or what. But I, I know Al is still with us. Uh, maybe others might know the answer to that question. Uh, a curiosity to me for sure. And I'm sure I'm not the only one wondering. Uh, but I digress. Uh, we get into this week uh, a, a fascinating tale of 
of a team that has a, a lot of different sort of legs and, and, and lives, frankly. Uh, obviously, the WHA version of such for a good seven years or seasons or so, uh, and of course came to an end when uh, the WHA merged with the NHL, and thus, thus the Winnipeg Jets became part of the NHL. So that was arguably their sort of second incarnation. Uh, and of course, then they uh, bolted. I don't know if they bolted, but uh, they certainly went to supposedly greener pasture, pastures down in Phoenix to become the Coyotes. Phoenix, Arizona, who knows what they're called this this minute. I, I forgot. I think they're still under league ownership. So who knows? It might be changing even, even since. I think they even play in Glendale, which doesn't even make any sense to me. But I, what do I know about the Phoenix metro area? But, I, you know, in hockey, I, whatever. It's it's a long story. But, uh, but obviously... Uh, that's where the Jets wound up going. But then they, to make it even more confusing, as you well know, the Atlanta Thrashers, after they kind of gave up the ghost, and that was a previous conversation we had with a number of different folks. Uh, our pal uh, Dan Bouchard uh, had a, a little bit of an involvement there, or certainly some uh, some memories of that. And our uh, our pal J.P. Della Camera, who was the voice of the Thrashers for a couple of years, uh, old episodes you might want to search up. Uh, of course, what did they do? They moved to Winnipeg to then inherit uh, the former Jets name and logo to become, I guess you could technically call it the third version of the Winnipeg Jets. But I, however you want to talk about that story, you can't get away from its origins. And that's the uh, the uh, the topic at hand this week with our pal Curtis Walker as we go north of the border to talk about the original version of the WHA uh, Winnipeg Jets. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. And uh, it's an interesting chat for sure. Uh, please stay tuned for it. But before we get to it, uh, how about celebrating a little WHA hockey, shall we, with two of our great sponsors this week? One, of course, is StreakerSports.com, the purveyors of uh, sports culture they are. Lots of great sports meets pop culture stuff at StreakerSports.com. Uh, but uh, certainly uh, the thing that you should check out early and often is their defunct leagues section, which, of course, Includes the late, great World Hockey Association and tremendous T-shirts for just about every franchise uh, await you there. Great colors, great layouts uh, for you there. And they're all there for you. The Phoenix Roadrunners, the New York Golden Blades, the New York Raiders, the Jersey Knights. Uh, you're a fan of the Minnesota Fighting Saints, the Philadelphia Blazers, the San Diego. It goes on and on and on. And they're, they're beautifully uh, crafted. And again, at StreakerSports.com, just search up the WHA section of the defunct leagues tab and unfortunately uh there is no shirt to be had for the uh, winnipeg jets in the wha we suspect that's because all of those logos and i believe the uh, i guess inherited heritage if i could call it that uh from that old and original uh version of the team has now been sort of uh, uh scooped up and now is part of the current nhl version even though it's a relatively hollow uh, extension of the franchise. So that's why you don't find a Jets thing there. But uh, And that's fortunately the same thing you'll find at 503 Sports, our other sponsor, the king of throwbacks They 503-sports.com, promo code SEATS. Oh, by the way, I'm sorry. Wait, Streaker Sports, we got a promo code for you, is Good Seats. That's the promo code at streakersports.com. I can't forget that. Good Seats, 15% off all of your purchases. Uh, there right there is a, a reason to uh, write that down and go to the website. But at 503 Sports, 503-sports.com, don't forget the dash, we have a promo code for you there, and that's SEATS, S-E-A-T-S, for 10% off all of your purchases. And yes, a, a fine collection of WHA, not only t-shirts, but also uh, hoodies, uh, beanies uh, a lot with the logos of the teams, 
uh, T-shirts, yes, but also famously the 503 Sports uh, authentic uh, recreated uh, jerseys are, are there for you as well. Not, not just the WHA, lots of other sports, but the WHA ones in particular are fascinating and fantastic. Uh, three different, count them, versions of the Minnesota Fighting Saints jerseys. Right there, blue. They got one in yellow with the original Saints uh, logo. One in red uh, with the uh, that uh, sort of smart looking uh, Saint character, but all kinds of other jerseys too. The New England Whalers uh, celebrated jersey there. The uh, Houston Arrows, the Cincinnati Stingers, uh, the uh, Phoenix Roadrunner. On and on and on. All kinds of great stuff there. Jerseys included at five hundred three Sports. Again, that's five hundred three dash sports dot com. And again, promo code Seats. For 10% off uh, all your purchases, not only the WHA stuff, but anything on the site, courtesy of us and our pal Dustin Alameda at 503 Sports. So once again, streakersports.com, promo code GOODSEATS for 15% off, and 503-sports.com, promo code SEATS for 10% off all of your purchases. So get your WHA on, why don't you? And uh, thank you to our fine sponsors for, uh, for saving our butts again this week. And uh, we appreciate them. And of course, we appreciate you uh, for listening uh, this far and uh, and beyond with our chat now coming up. Here's our conversation with Curtis uh, that we had a couple of months back. Sorry for the delay, but uh, here it is in all its glory. Please, as always, enjoy. Well, maybe maybe we can kind of sort of center around, and this is sort of maybe sort of an odd way to kind of sort of get into it, but but maybe the the, the time when uh, the team was transitioning from the WHA into the NHL, because c- clearly there are there are, you know, that's an inflection point of the original uh, Winnipeg Jets, and you know this was a team that, arguably or maybe not so arguably, was perhaps one of the, if not the. Uh, most successful franchises in the all of the WHA. I mean, they, this was a team that of, of the seven seasons that the uh, the WHA uh, played one, two, three, six, seven. Yes, they won three, and they and they were in five finals, which is a pretty amazing thing. But I think lost on a lot of people who maybe weren't paying attention to the WHA back in the day. But may, maybe that's a good place to start because not only did they win three championships, but they also won the last one ever in the WHA. And that's a hell of a way to sort of set yourself up to go into the NHL. Maybe you can give us a sense of sort of maybe the high, I guess, of Winnipeg winning the championship in 78-79 and arguably hitting almost rock bottom literally the next year going into the NHL when it maybe should have been a little bit more exciting. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think like those first two years in the NHL, I think – it was obviously a major shock, uh, but I think fans understood because, um, you know, Winnipeg hockey fans are intelligent. They're not just, you know, they're not, it's not a, it's not a, you know, fair weather, you know, they're not fair weather fans. Um, they, you know, we were angry that the NHL took many of our players, but uh, we understood that it was going to take time to rebuild. Uh, but obviously, it was a, you know from, from a team that had won three championships and and uh, you know to a team that uh, in eighty eighty one only won nine games all year. But but then you you, you get to the third year eighty one eighty two. That to me is one of the one of my favorite seasons of all of the twenty four years the Jets played, just because 
they they came they they they, they finished with a 500 record, and not that that's a anything to really uh, anything to really to, br- to brag about, but considering that the previous year they only won nine games, uh, you know, set a NHL record for futility, uh, that is a big deal, and it kind of uh, gave us hope that. Okay, we're we're on our way back. Maybe you know, maybe we'll contend. I mean, not, not that the Jets ever did, but as it's been described to me in the past, you need to sell hope to fans, and I think that 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 year gave us hope. Maybe that's that's why I I look at that year so fondly. But uh, you know, back to your original point about the Jets being one of the most successful franchises in the in the uh, in the WHA. Um, what maybe your listeners aren't aware is that. The, the, twice the team came very close to folding. Uh, after after the uh, 73-74 season, Ben Hatskin wanted out. He he wasn't able to draw draw very well, even you know, even even with a star attraction like Bobby Hull. And uh, the, a, a community ownership group stepped forward, and uh, the, the, it wasn't really the, uh, the the group. It was people in the community that. You know, a whole bunch of people chipped in with twenty-five, fifty-dollar donations, and they they raised enough money to be able to buy the team from from Ben Hatskin. That fund that kept the Jets going through the mid midway through seventy-seven, seventy-eight season, and then only and then then they ran out of money, and only then did uh, uh, a private ownership group led by Michael Gabadi and Barry Shankro, and also Bobby Hull. Uh, step forward to, to to save the team and ultimately got them in the NHL. So in many respects, this this became kind of a, I will say a labor of love, but certainly a, a community-spirited kind of thing pretty early on in the WHA, which arguably was financially wobbly from, from the beginning, right? I don't think that was unique to Winnipeg. No, no, no. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, the league was, you know, it, it was stable, I mean, quote-unquote, but uh, but yeah, the uh, it took a lot of faith to, to you know, to for people to pony up cash uh, for a league that you know it only had two seasons behind it. Winnipeg Jets hockey didn't become a hot ticket really until after that season is when, uh, and then that's when the Jets brought brought all the Swedish players over and one and 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 a, and a couple from Finland. That's when uh, things got uh, you know became an exciting product, and uh, that's when fans uh, started turning out more. Well, let's back up for a second. So we had um, we were lucky to have Dennis Murphy on uh, about uh, nine months ago. He, he's sort of the uh, the the original uh, uh, hustler, I guess, for the American Basketball Association, the WHA, the roller hockey. I mean, he goes on and on and on, right? And you know, one of the questions I pointedly asked him, and maybe this is sort of a way to kind of circle around the origins of the franchise in Winnipeg in the first place is he was, you know, unabashedly, you know, uh, agreeable to the, to the notion, the proposition that, you know, a a lot of what he was trying to do was basically sell franchises, right? I mean, uh, arguably, you know, finding uh, people with money or at least people who said they had money, the chambers of commerce and the various cities helping him find such people. But there was a point at which, you know, I don't think he particularly cared about, you know, uh, how each of the teams were were sort of firmly running, versus them at least having a franchise and being able to pay the rent and and and, and give other teams a place to come and play uh, and expand the league franchise fee wise. 
So I guess I guess the general question is, why Winnipeg, would you say? Um, I know you were living there at the time, but in 1971, you know, Winnipeg, not sort of the largest metropolis bereft of, of pro hockey that the WHA could have could have gone to. Certainly other cities in Canada, arguably bigger than Winnipeg. So why would you say Winnipeg was one of the original franchises based on your, your research? Well, I mean, Winnipeg had at the time had had an arena that was uh, aside from Toronto, Montreal, Vancouver, it was the largest uh, largest largest arena. Uh, they didn't have a new buildings yet in Calgary or Edmonton. Still a good sizable market. Ben Hatskin had had money, and it's not that uh, he was you know even when he wanted out in, in 1970, 1974, it's not that he was. Uh, you know, on the verge of bankruptcy himself, he just, but he just didn't see a, didn't see a future. I guess the question. I mean, I, I, I don't, I, I don't really know why you know Bobby Hull was targeted for Winnipeg, but well, uh, and, that, and that's my next question, right? So, as is, is being relatively naive to this, right? Where and how does Bobby Hull wind up in Winnipeg of all the franchises in the WHA getting off the ground? Yeah, I mean, yeah, and, kudos, you know, that, but. That's that's a question I don't know either. <laughs> you know, I mean, I don't know. I, mean, I don't have an answer for you. Um, and I think there's there's probably times I think he, he maybe even he he was asking that question because I I know I know that he really didn't want to leave Chicago. It, it was more of a case that you know it just uh, he wanted a you know he wanted to be well compensated and uh, and rightly so. And uh, it took the WHA to, to to give him that compensation. Why why Winnipeg is, a, is something I, I you know I I never really knew. And I was glad he did, because uh, if there wasn't you know no Bobby Hall, there was no there was no there was no Jets, and no WHA. Uh, really, I mean I, I, WHA I think would have would have played, but I don't think they would have lasted very long it would have been like the like the usfl it would have gone away on me after three years now i i do find that interesting and it's clearly a question we'd like to ask dennis uh again when we have him back on the show is but I, it also probably seems to me that 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 ben hatskin uh, uh you know i guess in cahoots with the league and 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 dennis probably said okay i'll be the guy i'll be the i don't want to say the rube but i'll be the guy that sort of ponies up some of the dough but but the, the other sort of True, the drop in all that was there was a passing of the hat, if you will, uh, of all the owners to kind of help subsidize Hull's uh, arrival in the league. Yes, and uh, well, and uh, and it certainly, I mean, uh, it was forward thinking on all their parts because they they understood that having a star attraction like that would benefit everybody. You know, you have a lot of owners today; they're just looking at looking out for themselves. You, you 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 look at those attendance numbers in those early years, and the, you know the, the the biggest draws in in visiting cities when was when the, when Bobby Hall and Jets came to town, and and specifically Chicago. I mean, I think he got a he got a presentation there when uh, when the, when they when they played the Cougars for the first time. All right, so give me a sense then of why in the WHA years, why was Winnipeg so relatively successful relative to the other? franchises. I mean, obviously, Bobby Hull, star signing, uh, great magnet of attraction. You're mentioning it becomes sort of a, a an allure for, for you know, uh, teams when uh, when the Jets are coming to town. But but it had to be more than just Bobby Hull that made that team 
so good on the ice. Yeah, well, we're, 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 where the Jets really got successful was when, after, when uh, Dr. Jerry Wilson uh, helped bring all the Swedish players over. Uh, Anders Hedberg, Ulf Nielsen, uh, Lars Eric Schoberg, both guys were, were, were really, really good. And I, I don't think people in the hockey world understand just how good they were. Um, Lars Eric Schoberg specifically, uh, he came over later uh, uh, in his career. But if he had come over at an earlier age, we'd be talking about him as one of the greatest defensemen of all time. And and I, I know this from Anders Hedberg that uh, other NHL teams or, or NHL teams had had made them and made each of the each of those players better offers, but they collectively wanted to come to Winnipeg because they wanted to make an impact, like the, the collectively the Swedish players, and. At the time, I think you know it's important to note that North American pro, pro hockey was pretty much the, the exclusive domain of, of Canadians. Uh, getting foreign players was was just unheard of, and and, and in some cases, you know the, the, these guys were resented because the you know the, the North American players look at them and you know we have foreigners coming to take our jobs. I mean later it you know it, it they uh, you know they, they, they were warmly. Uh, Received once they really, you know, realized they could play, but uh, that's what really, really made it go for the Jets, and and and, and specifically the the hotline with Hedberg, Nielsen, and Hull. The, 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 playing individually, they they were great, but as a trio, they were even better. They they they, they all they they, they they all helped each other, and and that, that that was one of the greatest lines in hockey history, and combined with. The, 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 the other Swedish and Finnish players the Jets brought over. That's what really made the Jets the, the, the great team they were. Well, you're mentioning that hotline. So Anders Hedberg and Ulf Nielsen and, and Bobby Hull. Uh, and I'm, I'm wondering, by the way, I, I don't know this for a fact, but was there a, was there a theme song or, or some kind of jingle around that? Not that, not that I was aware of. Because uh, there was a song with Silvers in 1975 called Hotline. Mm. I would wonder oh, okay. if perhaps it was used. Yeah. Maybe not. No. In fact, I, I even asked Anders about whether uh, how he knew how, how how that line got its name, and uh, even he he didn't know. Well, it's it's a heck of a name. I I, I and I've got to do a little uh, more research. I'm sure there's some some signs and stuff from from photography in the back. But but so so explain to me then that hotline. Right. It was clearly. Uh, a, a goal scoring machine and you're mentioning how 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 just darn good it was but one interesting thing now having grown up in the New York metropolitan area and in the late 70s uh was a huge coup when Messrs Hedberg and Nielsen came to the New York Rangers so answer me this how did that happen in 78 why and then second given how great they were i think both in the, in their jets time as well as in their rangers time for sure how come they're not uh, their numbers aren't even retired in this Jets franchise um, versus say Bobby Hall, whose name is is indeed retired? It's curious to me. Yeah, well, first of all, how they became Rangers, um, their agents uh, or their, their 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 agent Don Baisley had negotiated a contract for them, where they um, they had the right to get to get an offer from from another uh, from other teams in the. Uh, and they they, they 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 got offers ironically from John Ferguson and the Rangers. Uh, you know, Ferguson later became the larger in life figure over the NHL Jets. And uh, the Jets had the right to match, and they 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 
they did they didn't and largely i think partially because they they weren't able to uh that was a time when the community ownership group ran out of money and uh, uh even 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 had it happened earlier uh when the private owners took over i i'm not sure they would have been able to afford uh putting all their money into into two players like that so uh, i think that was the uh why why the jets to, chose not to match and or or, or unable to match and uh they they were allowed to become to become rangers uh as far as why they weren't uh, their numbers weren't retired you know um they should be and uh, uh but they weren't and uh, but you know it's, i think more so than their numbers being retired i think they're still hockey royalty in winnipeg to this day um they're they're frankly there should be a uh, there should be a nice little statue of them, and uh, much like there is in, I know there is in uh, of the French Connection line in Buffalo. Uh, you know they, they have that at their alumni plaza. Like, you know there there should be something like that, but uh, you know there there isn't, and uh, uh, nothing I can do about it. <laughs> I I find it interesting too that they left uh, just before the last season of of the Jets in the WHA, and yet the Jets still won uh, won the whole shebang. Uh, at end of the season now obviously the WHA was somewhat weakened but still you know to go out the champions of of the of the league still not a not a bad not a bad uh, effort given two of your star players are basically gone yeah well I mean they they, they, they played out the season it wasn't that they you know they, 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 they didn't leave for the Rangers in, in midseason and they, they were negotiating midseason and uh, but uh, but they, they, they still gave, gave it their all for the rest of the year and uh, you know went out went out in style so uh, give me a sense then of how guys like Hedberg and Nielsen were found in the first place. You were, you were mentioning the, the good doctor uh, sort of finding it. So wh- wh- where and why and how was sort of that process put into place? What made the Jets unique in, in finding that talent? I mean, it, can't, it couldn't have been unobvious to other teams in the NHL and the WHA that there were the good players in Sweden and Europe and, and other places. Well, I, I, yeah, I think it was uh, it kind of they were kind of hidden because uh, Dr. Wilson had known uh, Hedberg and and Nilsson, and and he was he he was he, he was from Winnipeg and he was studying over there, and that's how we that's how we found found those guys and 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 uh, you know as, as I mentioned the uh, players from Sweden you know players from Sweden weren't really highly regarded they were just you know, the only times you ever see these guys is in, in these international tournaments but they it wasn't uh, you know bringing them across on mass was not a uh, really on anybody's radar it was it was you know and and it wouldn't probably wouldn't have happened for a long time if it wasn't for the WHA and and I think you always get that with when there's when there's another league that needs talent they're they're willing to to explore unconventional routes that uh, an established league wouldn't Tell me about the fans in the the WHA years. I know you. This is sort of uh, relatively. You came in sort of later in, into their in their WHA life, but, but g- give me a sense. You, you sort of hinted at it before. I mean, sort of rallying around the team when financial issues sort of reared their head. But but, but it also feels to me that Winnipeg was a smaller community, I guess, relative to the other major cities, big cities in the NHL and maybe even the other WHA cities. So uh, maybe you can explain a little bit of the bond, and maybe this carried over into the NHL's years too, between the fans and this team. Like, what? How did that sort of bond kind of grow? Because it seems like it was relatively special. No. 
It was, and uh, you know, we've always felt like, and in fact, I you know even on my website, that's why I, I used the, the moniker when, when it was our team. You know, I think really uh, there was an article in the game program called you know the the the, uh, the people's team, and uh, um, we didn't think of it as someone else's. It was it was you know it was almost like their you know, like our sons. I mean, I, I'll, I'll even use the analogy from, uh, you know, a junior team here in St. Catharines where I live. The, the, the players are almost, almost seen, it, 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 it's very personal. It's, it's like, it's like, you know, if you criticize a player, you think you're, you're, you're criticizing someone out of someone's family. That's, uh, uh, so, and, and, and being a smaller market, it's, it's really all, all they all they have and so that's they they rally around it it's not it's not like a, a huge city like toronto or new york where you know there's there's all kinds of competition for your entertainment dollar this is the winnipeg jets were it and uh, well you know they had the you know the blue bombers at the cfl but the the jets were the, the number one link to the to the outside world and and like say when 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 they ultimately you know left in 1996 it was uh it was a huge blow to the city and, and people were, you know, it was more, more than just losing a hockey team. It was part of their identity. Given, given the, uh, uh, the demise of the WHA in after the, uh, the ending of the 78, 79 season, um, and given the relative financial problems, uh, that the team was having certainly around the time, not a, let, let alone the league itself. Why was Winnipeg saved, so to speak, and, and, and brought into, into the NHL, given such financial duress, uh, it would seem to me they would be an, a more, perhaps, obvious candidate for for not making the transition and being absorbed. Well, well, at, at the time they did have new new ownership. They, you know, the, the private owners that did step forward, so they they, they had money, and um, the NHL, I think, they, they took in Winnipeg more as you know as part of as part of that uh, you know merger slash expansion. Uh, as much to just to get rid of the competition because the WHA in its later years was signing a lot of junior players, um, and I've you know I've made the observation in the past that I think they, you know the the, the the NHL valued the uh, the young players on the Birmingham Bulls more than they valued Winnipeg as a market, but because Jets had, the Jets had been successful, they had new ownership that that was willing to. Uh, to step forward and, and continue with the franchise, that that's why uh, they were included as part of the group. Why then? Why then were the was the team gutted? Uh, it was and did this happened to other WHA franchises uh, as well as they went to the NHL. Why was that the the process versus trying to keep some of those newer franchises relatively strong and expansionary? Yeah. Well, the the uh, the, 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 the NHL to this day holds a grudge. And uh, as, as part of the condition of, of, uh, of being granted a franchise, uh, the NHL, uh, NHL teams were granted the, the, the ability to grab players off WHA rosters who, whom, who they had drafted or had otherwise had rights to. So uh, all, they, 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 you know, the, the Jets and the other three uh, incoming uh, uh, teams from the WHA were had their rosters pretty much, uh, you know, gutted, and they, they they were given an expansion draft to uh, to stock their rosters. But uh, the NHL, you know, it, it extracted its pound of flesh. The, the only thing that the the uh, at the NHL 
or the incoming WHA teams were allowed to only protect two skaters and two goaltenders. Uh, uh, like for, for Edmonton, for example, they had Wayne Gretzky and they used one of their selections on him. Uh, the Jets got uh, Scott Campbell and Morris Lukowicz and and then, uh, you know, then the, that's why they had such uh, uh, such poor, poor teams in their first two years. So is this more retribution than from the NHL's perspective than it was sort of embracing these new franchises? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and, and in fact, I'll, I'll tell you a little story that even from, from 2011, um, I was invited to a, to a screening of a French language dog documentary in the WHA. And I talked to the producer at length, and um, I, I had seen the documentary before this uh, public event. And I asked him why he why they did not talk to Bobby Hull. And he said, you know, yeah, we contacted Bobby. He was more than happy to talk to us. Uh, but he was an he was still on the Blackhawks payroll because he was a team ambassador. So he said, you know, I'm happy to talk to you. Just go clear with the Blackhawks, and and we'll set up a time. And and they contacted the Blackhawks, and you know, they, you know, want to talk to Bobby about the you know, WHA years, and, and they were told in no uncertain terms, no. And and this is after Bill Wirtz had passed away, so this this grudge from the Chicago Blackhawks has, has spanned generations. And that's see, that's fascinating to me, and and I, you know, we we've, we've delved a little bit into the WHA. I mean, we talked to Howard Baldwin a number of uh, months ago, uh, the old uh, New England Whalers. Uh, franchise, obviously earlier, sort of in the in the WHA process uh, as as years went on, um, but it's, to me, it's fascinating, sort of how that grudge can sort of continue, uh, you know, even in even into some 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 modern time. But I, I also think it's reflective, I guess, of you know a bitter time. I mean, we've 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 had a lot of discussion around. Uh, you know, the great expansion in the late '60s, early '70s, and 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 frankly, how the NHL you know, kind of lost its mind a little bit after having gone from six franchises almost overnight to, to 12 and then sort of dripping out two, two more just about each and every year for the, through the early part of the 70s, right? Not necessarily well done, right? I, Oakland Seals and Atlanta Flames and, you know, uh, uh, the, the New York Islanders, which were terrible for a number of years. I mean, it, it just, it, it, it feels to me that, you know, the WHA maybe in hindsight, frankly, maybe kick the NHL in 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 the butt a little bit to kind of maybe get going with it, and and that seems kind of seems like it's odd remembrance and or uh, thanks, so to speak, for for the NHL when you think about it in modern times today. Yes, yeah, yeah. I think you know the the, the NHL was definitely in sort of reactionary mode. They wanted uh, they wanted to keep the WHA at a certain markets, and and uh, yeah, and that that was. Uh, it was it, it, it was very much a, a bitter war during that time. It, 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 it's also noteworthy, though, that that once they settled their uh, you know the, the the WHA filed an antitrust suit against the NHL, and you know, matter was ultimately settled. But the, uh, uh, the 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 two leagues did actually play exhibition games against each other. Some of the established teams didn't want anything to do with it, but there were still uh, some, some interesting games there, and. Uh, it is interesting to note that uh, the Jets' first game against an NHL team uh, was the Atlanta Flames, and of course, uh, you know the Atlanta Thrashers later uh, later would would later move to Winnipeg. When did those uh, those NHL WHA games happen? It was probably later in the WHA's life. No, uh, seventy four. 
That's when okay, it started. Okay, so it wasn't too late. Okay. Well, no, no. I think it was in the third or fourth year. Okay, so so that that to me in and of itself is interesting, uh, and maybe through the lens of the Jets, you can maybe give a little our a little background because this is a curiosity to me. Why would the NHL even agree to that, given that that would basically give instant legitimacy to the WHA by by agreeing to meet them in this challenge? Yeah, well, it was all part of the anti antitrust settlement. It was all agreed with the lawyers and things like that. I mean, you know, as I, I think as I, I mentioned that there was even a, a possibility discussed of of uh, even interleague play and and and, and a potential uh, you know world championship series at uh, at some later date. I mean, and obviously never happened, but um, but that 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 all came about with the antitrust settlement. So that so the grist then obviously for that 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 animosity obviously is very very deep rooted then going back to even that so let me ask you this then based on what you were able to determine from your your investigation of the WHA years so we'll get to the NHL years in, in a minute how good were the Jets obviously they were cleaning up in the WHA but how how good do you think they were relative to the NHL and do you think they could have competed and or won there too during those years. I, I believe the Jets uh, would have been among the top third or fourth best team, but where I think the, 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 that where the Jets would have had problems is depth. Uh, in the WHA, pretty much everybody who was under contract was on the ice, whereas NHL teams had had deep rosters, and that that would have played out over a, a long season. You know, whereas uh, say you know the Montreal Canadiens get an injury. They can bring up a player that's from from the Nova Scotia Voyagers uh, that is definitely NHL worthy, and if if the Nova Scotia team was playing an NHL schedule, it would probably have been better than probably half half the league. So whereas the Jets, uh, they ran into some in- serious injury trouble during the 76-77 season, and they had to they had to bring up a couple of amateurs. You know, you're, 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 the, the, the front line guys were, were definitely competitive. Uh, with with the best the NHL had to offer, it's it's it, 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 it's when you get to the lower part of the roster that, that I think it, w- it would have it, it would have shown itself over over a long season. Well, before we get into the the transition into the NHL, are there any sort of players or events that maybe stand out in your mind as you you've actually created the the definitive day by day history timeline of this franchise during the WHA years? Are there any sort of events or or, or people? Uh, that we haven't talked about yet that kind of stood out or were standout still in your mind around the WHA version of the Jets that maybe some of our fans might not sort of be aware of or perhaps just got lost in the shuffle of time? I can't say that there was any specific event other than, you know, obviously the championships. And probably say, just answer it this way is that much more of a wide open style of play than, than what you had in the NHL. And you know, and, and obviously the, the the you know the, the the Swedish and the Finnish players played a played a big role in that. That's what separated it from and, and from the NHL and and made it special. And you know, being a young child at the time, I don't think I appreciated it. But I think looking back, that's that's what made it special and. And that in that era, things were more personal too. I think you know you don't see players sort of at arm's length from fans. You you could, you know, we had low glass. You could you could even reach over. And I, I remember being with um, with some school uh, schoolmates, 
and during during the warm up we'd we'd lean over the glass and players would sign autographs for us uh, during the warm up and it was uh, a much different time and uh, I mean I understand why players are more guarded today they, 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 they were regular guys and uh, that changed over the, you know over the years and uh, I think all that just just made it made it stand out more. Tell me too about the. Um, uh, I'm guessing that the the, um, uh, the they won in '78 against the Soviet national team as well, right? Which was kind of a big deal, I think, but lost on a lot of people. I mean, the, 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 both the WHA, I, I don't know what the NHL did too, but the, the the Soviet team when they came on a number of occasions, that was kind of a big deal. It was kind of like rallying the troops, and it was almost a you know spy versus spy in terms of uh, it was almost pre-Olympics, if you will. In terms of animosity and uh, how how seriously that the people took that took that competition, so the Jets winning that was was certainly a big deal in '78, I guess. Oh yeah, well, and, and and let's not forget. I mean, this is this is an all-star team of a major hockey power. The fact that any club team in North America could be competitive. I mean, you know, it wasn't like an all-star WHA team or an all-star NHL team. It was just a club club team. So even to be competitive with that with that group, uh, you know, was an accomplishment. Now, uh, you know, the, the, the Jets did win that, that one game in, uh, I think it was 1978. Uh, but uh, uh, Trejack didn't start that game, it should be noted. I mean, not, I mean I'm sure the second best goaltender in the Soviet Union was still pretty good, but uh, I think you know, they, uh, they, they, they got most of, most of their goals against the backup. And, and it was uh, before that, they had played three games in Tokyo against Soviets, and, and the, those games were not competitive. Uh, but the, 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 it should be, you know, the, the, the Jets didn't really kind of took it like a holiday, but uh, the Soviets kind of had their way in those games. All right, one last question that I have from the WHA sort of years and stuff. So it, when Winnipeg was uh, uh, ruling the WHA, were they, you know, were there any budding rivalries? Uh, I mean, obviously, you know, Edmonton and Calgary were kind of always at it, and uh, and I suspect that, uh, you know, Quebec and Ottawa kind of had it uh, for each other and, and and some other natural rivalries, I guess, in the in the WHA. But did Winnipeg at the time have any sort of natural rivalries or was there, was there a team in the WHA that they particularly didn't like or got into scrapes with or, or was just uh, constantly competitive with or, 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 you know, butting heads against or, or were they just kind of just – naturally not rivaled with anybody uh i don't think there was a, a natural like edmonton calgary type of rivalry uh they had they, they had a good thing a bit of a rivalry with quebec just because the two teams were uh you know i remember specifically 77 uh were uh, you know on a, on a collision course for the avco cup final but um it should be noted that as the you know, in later in the later wha years uh, the, you know, there's only you know, six to eight teams in the league. Uh, you know, I think everybody's a natural rival when, you, when you're playing a, every, you know, playing a team practically you know, every, almost 20 times a year. So, uh, you know, you, you do develop that. Uh, uh, I, I did hear from Morris Lukowicz that uh, uh, the Jets and the Arrows didn't really like each other. And, and, and that, 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 that played a factor when, when the Jets uh, picked up a number of, of the ex-Arrows after the Arrows folded. Uh, the, the the mix of those two teams was not uh, was, was anything but harmonious, and uh, uh, it took till late in the year before they they really started to win. 
All right, well, let, let's go into the, the, the transition then from the uh, 79 champion, World Hockey Association champion, the last ever WHA champion, AFCO Cup winning and owning, I guess, for time of memoriam, Winnipeg Jets, uh, into the 79-80 NHL season. Maybe you could give our audience a sense of sort of, was it known or was it essentially understood that the Jets were going to make the transition? And if so, what was that transition like, say, from the final game through the beginning of the NHL season? It must have been an interesting summer slash off season for a team not knowing kind of what they were maybe getting into, or maybe they did. I don't know. Well, I think from a fan's you know, a young perspective as a young fan, I, I, I was hoping for better, but I think John Ferguson understood that they, they, they really weren't going to win. I think it was just more of in that first year, it was the opportunity to see some new teams. Because, you know, like say that, you know, in the last year of the WHA was, you know, Birmingham Bulls almost every second night. Uh, finally, you know, you get to see some, you know, NHL teams that you've been watching on TV all these years. And, um, you know, I mean, they were part of a 21 team league instead of being part of a part of a six team league or, you know, six or seven teams. And uh, so the, the, that was the big thing. But if, and as far as the uh, players, well, you know, it's the. Uh, you know the Jets really did did keep keep a few of their own players, but uh, it was it was it, it was a real ragtag bunch. And uh, Coach Tom McVie uh, he always said uh, that he thinks that 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 seventy nine eighty season that was his best coaching job that he was able to get twenty wins out of that group. Well, how much though of it was uh, the manner in which they were defined uh, in terms of their divisions, right? Because it seems that obviously the first couple of years, you know, even 80-81, the next season, I mean, nine wins out of 80 games. I mean, oof, I mean, that's clearly a, a huge come down from championship years just just two years prior. But I get the sense that, uh, especially in the in, in the bulk of the 80s, uh, the divisional uh, alignment, the uh, the Smythe division, I guess they were in the Norris for one year, but in the Smythe, they were constantly butting up against the Oilers. Uh, and and the Flames, right? It almost seemed like they couldn't even get out of their own sort of say we say, say Canadian geography uh, to get into you know playoff contention with some of the other teams in the league. And so it almost seems like that 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 was almost a predestined or preordained that they were going to kind of just bow out to to those now I guess geographic rivals. Well, uh, yeah, during that that era, it was almost like four different leagues. Because you played every uh, your your division rivals either seven or eight times um, per season, and uh, you know the rest of the league you only you only, you only played each opponent three times. But uh, you know you touch on on can't getting past Edmonton and Calgary, and uh, that's a that's a bit of an urban legend. Um, the, the Jets' biggest problem dur- during those years were the Winnipeg Jets. That is a team that. John Ferguson was the general manager for nine full years and produced two winning seasons. Uh, it, it's 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 not the Oilers' fault. It's not Calgary's fault. It's it's the Jets' fault that they they weren't able to advance any further. They had they had a tough enough time with the lower teams in the division with Vancouver and L.A. and I, and I'll I'll quote one one memorable stretch in their schedule late in the eighty two eighty three season. They were sort of humming along. They had a real opportunity to make a good run at second place Calgary. Uh, 
and they had three games on their schedule with, with Vancouver. Vancouver was a team that had, I, I think they went 17 years in a row without a winning season. They, 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 they weren't very good. I mean, I mean, uh, you know, and they had Stan Smeal, Thomas Green, and a bunch of muckers and grinders. Any team that fancies it, fancied itself as a would-be contender should have had no problems with them. And instead of burying Vancouver and making a good run at Calgary where they would be able to avoid Edmonton in the first round, and it should be noted that Calgary was just as mediocre as the Jets at that point, they, they lost all three games to Vancouver. And had they even as much as tied one of those games, they would have avoided Edmonton in the first round. And the same thing happened the following year. So, um, you know, it's, I hear this a lot about the Jets always being held back by the Oilers, but in reality, they were held back by the Jets. Well, no, that's, that's an interesting way to put it, for sure. And, and uh, it also, though, speaks to, frankly, how tough it is, uh, you know, in today's modern terminology, to be an expansion, quote-unquote, franchise in a big league. Although today it's a little easier. There are a lot of easier ways to, to sort of circumvent. Money can sort of solve a lot of problems, right? But, you know, this is – you're mentioning sort of the, the – the, the, so I guess the question sort of jumps to, jumps to the fore is, okay, so where was this vaunted European talent pipeline that uh, so well stocked the WHA version when it came time to go to, uh, go to, go to war in the, the NHL? Well, uh, you know, people had figured it out, and also there was a, there was a common draft. The Jets just didn't have any, uh, you know, if there was a good player uh, like Anders Hedberg, for example, he would he would have been subject to subject to the draft, and you know another team would have likely have taken him. So you know the Jets, uh, that's the, that's why the uh, you know the European uh, uh, talent pool kind of uh, dried up, and and of course John Ferguson had his own ideas too. Uh, you know he was hired in the uh, you know, before uh, the uh, 78-79, or during the 78-79 season. And, uh, you know, he, he had his own plan. And, uh, he's, you know, his first, uh, in his first draft, he, he felt that uh, Jimmy Mann was, would have more value to the Jets than Michelle Goulet, who went on to become a multi-year 50-goal scorer. And, and actually, and just, just uh, you know, to, to, uh, to go back to your previous question about the, uh, about the Oilers, one of the things that always that that that, that, that rankles me, and someone that you know lived, you know, had season tickets during that era, the the Jets fought like hell to to, to beat Calgary, and it's and, and then rolled over for Edmonton. It's 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 as if they're beating Calgary was their Stanley Cup, you know. And when they played Edmonton, it was just a nothing more than an exaggerated pillow fight. They lost 16 straight playoff games to the Oilers. Now, I know the Oilers are, are are better, but anyone who watches NHL today knows how competitive these playoff games are. Every stride is contested. You, if you want to talk about a record that will never be broken, that that's one where, where one team beats another team 16 straight playoff games. That's something that I think defines the, 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 the NHL uh, version of the Winnipeg Jets. Well, that had to stick in the craw of fans too. So. Oh yeah, <laughs> this fan, this fan in particular. <laughs> I, I I don't know that it's it's stuck in the craw of John Ferguson, but it certainly sticks in sticks in my craw. I'll tell you that. 
Well, all right. So, but uh, give me a sense then, as the as the eighties and nineties, early nineties, sort of sort of played out. Uh, you know, where were the fans in all of this, right? I mean, obviously, you're you're a season ticket holder at the time, and and you know, I, where was the love still as strong as it was, say, from the WHA days, or had the sort of magic kind of worn off, or you know, was give, give me a sense of of, of how how beloved this team was, given the fact that they were, you know, certainly woeful to start in their NHL lives and, you know, frankly, could never really get over the hump when it came to significant playoff, uh, uh, you know, successes uh, in in the years where they did qualify and regularly at that, actually. Yeah, right. Yeah. Fans are still very then, much I'm sorry, cared. but then again, that's not saying much, right, because the NHL was very charitable when it came to making the playoffs. So, that's, so, so fair enough. Yeah. Fans very much cared, and, and they never stopped caring. But it was different in that it, I think it, there was a lot of anger building up. Um, John Ferguson was a, a, a larger-than-life figure. He boasted about all these great young players that were going to come and you know, were going to come and uh, you know save the day, and all the all of his great white hopes and attendance really kind of. Uh, not, not, I wouldn't say bottomed out, but certainly uh, uh, waned. And uh, they wanted John Ferguson's head on a platter, and and uh, it finally uh, it finally happened. And probably the most memorable game that I attended as a season ticket holder, maybe uh, throughout the Jets' history, is when I was walking home. I remember going through the Polo Park parking lot. And I had my transistor radio on, as I always did, listening to the post-game show and listening to Kurt Kielbach's voice saying that John Ferguson was about to be fired. And fans in the parking lot were honking like crazy. And I had an ear-to-ear grin on, and I think it's still on my face. Uh, That was the most joyous time of, you know, (laughs) that was our Stanley Cup that, John Ferguson was finally fired because he he had promised so much and he had just not delivered and finally was uh, finally was removed from his post. Although it should be noted that his successor you know, wasn't any better, but it still didn't mean that uh, Ferguson didn't 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 deserve his firing. And one of his Probably the, the the one thing that bothers me most about John Ferguson is not that he failed in his in his in his job, but that he never accepted responsibility for it. To his dying day, he he blamed Barry Shankro, he blamed blamed everybody but the dog catcher. Never once did he stand up and say, "I made a bad draft choice, I made a bad trade, I didn't get the job done." You know, when you're when you set a mood like that for your team, it's no wonder they didn't win. So uh, I still commemorate that day, you know, the anniversary of that day to to, to, to this day. Well, it's some background for our, for our listeners. I mean, this is a guy who won, what was it, like, five, I think five championships with the Montreal Canadiens in, in, in the 60s and early 70s, right? And as a player and was an assistant coach and, and head coach and general manager then for the New York Rangers. But I didn't know this until recently. Um, and this is ironic, though. He he was, as general manager of the Rangers, he was the guy apparently responsible for luring uh, 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 Hedberg and Nielsen 
to to the Rangers, and then who becomes the general manager of the last year of the of the Jets? But Ferguson. So how does that happen? I mean, I can't imagine the the animosity must have already been start, started from even before he got to Winnipeg. No. Well, I, I don't think there was animosity so much for, for Ferguson. I, I think, and, and even even toward Hedberg and Nielsen, I, I think fans understood. Um, you know, the money, they, 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 there's no way Winnipeg could, could, could compete with the money. And as far as animosity towards Ferguson, um, this was all going on during the time when uh, the community ownership still owned the team. And then, you know, the following year is when, the, you know, the, the private owners had t- taken over in their f- first year. So, you know, they, for some reason, they were, you know, Michael Gabotti really wanted John Ferguson. Um, he had first offered the job to Pat Stapleton, by the way, and uh, he wasn't happy when Pat turned it down. But uh, uh, then he went after John Ferguson and uh, got him to accept the job. And uh, you know, why, why he why he settled on Ferguson is a question I can't answer. Yeah, it, we it, it, obviously Ferguson's not here to to ask the question of, but I I just it just it's amazing to me how he would essentially be responsible for. Not with stealing, but but moving two of the most popular and arguably most uh, talented players of of that time uh, to the Rangers, and then basically shortly thereafter going to the very team that he stole those two players away from. I I just I find it hard to believe that nobody noticed and or didn't hold a grudge or looked at him with aspersion or or certainly with an arched eyebrow as he came in to run this team. No, and and you know what? I I I don't think that 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 really was uh, uh, held against them. I think they, when fans like me celebrated his dismissal, it wasn't over Hedberg and Nielsen. It was it was over the his nine full years in the job when he when he just didn't get the job done. All right. Well, explain to me then, as we maybe round uh, round uh, home to home here. Um, uh, give me a sense of the latter years, in particular the uh, the early nineties. That kind of you know set the tone for the team leaving Winnipeg. When were the first real inklings? I'm not talking about the WHA days. Different, but what were the first sort of inklings that that maybe this franchise would not stick around in Winnipeg for much longer? Like when were the first sort of wafts of rumors, and and then maybe how did they congeal and become a little bit more specific as as the '90s kind of moved on a little? You know, in the 90s, there was a lot of, it, it was long since recognized that Winnipeg Arena needed needed replacement. And yet, it never really happened. There was a lot of talk. There was a lot of, and just with all the talk, it just, you know, I, I think people realized it needed to be done, but I don't think people really realized the urgency. Uh, maybe the ownership did, but I mean, like, for me, when I heard that they were might be leaving, I, I, that, that came as a as a grave shock. I, I I really didn't appreciate it. I mean, I say I, I knew that, that that there was difficulty, but the concept that the Jets would leave Winnipeg was just not on the radar at all. And and maybe that's why a, a, an arena wasn't built because I don't think the powers that be really understood it. And I mean, they they did and they didn't. And and by the time they really did realize that, you know, we're at the eleventh hour, it was too late. And 
And I think it's also to be noted that, uh, you know, I think the lockout of, of 95 played a factor in that they didn't, uh, it was widely believed that Gary Bettman sold out the small markets. They were hoping for a more, a better economic system for a, for a small market team like Winnipeg, which didn't happen until later on when, when they got a, finally got a salary cap. And even, and I think as much as hard as it was to admit at the time, and that Winnipeg just isn't capable of supporting big league hockey the way it once once was because it's the costs have just gotten too rich for a small market. I mean, even today, uh, yeah, there's a team there, but just because the, basically the government bought, bought the franchise for private owners and the government built an arena and the government built the practice facility. It's, it's not, it's not a, a, you know, a, a great revival of the city with uh, private money going in. It's all just uh, taxpayer funded. And uh, that's, so it was just, it just, it just didn't work. Uh, even even with a new arena, I'm not sure that it would have. It, it may have put it off for a while, and, and maybe it maybe would have put put it off enough until 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 a salary cap. But it just um, you know, and and, and uh, it just it it just didn't work in Winnipeg, and um, I, I don't think people understood that until until it was too late. Well, how much how much of that was Winnipeg being the I guess second smallest market in the NHL? I guess when Quebec moved to uh, uh, to Denver, they it actually did become the, the smallest. But well, how much of that was also Canada versus U.S. in terms of taxation, in terms of strength of the dollar or the loonie? Yeah, and that's that's all part of it. Not just the the uh, uh, you know that that that. There just isn't a lot of money in Winnipeg. There's, an, you know, there's, it, it, it's a market that it sees itself as, you know, I mean, too good for the miners, but yet not big enough for the for the big leagues. But yeah, and and, and that's, you know, you 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 hit it hit it right there with, uh, you know, the the fluctuating dollar is always it's always going to be an issue for for Canadian teams, uh, maybe not for Toronto, but you know, for the you know, outside of Toronto, and uh, yeah, and uh, just uh, you know, uh, heavy taxation here. Uh, just uh, that's you know, it's just that's just the way it is. And uh, I, you know, the, the, the NHL today, I think, does have a currency equalization uh, plan, but it's just it's it, it still doesn't doesn't cure the underlying problem. Uh, what was the reaction aside from uh, the team is moving and and we're going to lose our franchise? That they were going to Arizona and Phoenix of all places. I mean, I remember. Uh, not obviously having been a resident of either of those cities, but just sort of, you know, uh, obviously the Phoenix Roadrunners were part of the WHA and there's a minor league team and all this stuff. But, but I mean, I, still, I think people wonder how and why Arizona's got an NHL franchise versus, say, Quebec or Kansas City or, or even Houston, for that matter, uh, relative to some other, you know, markets, uh, it arguably still somewhat struggling. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... Yeah, and that's a good point. But uh, as, as far as uh, well, you know, w- w- when the Jets were uh, scheduled to leave at the end of, end of the '95 season, uh, their uh, their uh, destination was going to be Minneapolis, because uh, don't forget the Dallas Stars or you know the Stars had moved to to Dallas, and uh, you know the the Twin Cities didn't have a team at the time, so that 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 was where they they were thought to to be going, 
And in fact, uh, there, there's even some talk about a sort of a shared team because there, there's a lot of cultural ties between Winnipeg and, and the Twin Cities. And uh, there was you know, in having maybe play you know, five games in uh, in Winnipeg. So I mean, the, the, that actually wasn't. Uh, uh, they were actually kind of hoping for that, but then uh, it was it was only uh, during the '95-'96 season that that Phoenix was the uh, uh, the, the, the destination because uh, uh, things fell through in Minneapolis. But uh, you know, to, to your point about you know having all these teams in in small you know in, in these southern cities that that aren't drawing well um you know it's it's a valid point to this day but to that i would say well but it's privately funded you know uh you know people in winnipeg you know uh, you know look at crowds in florida with disdain but you know their own team is only tax is taxpayer funded and, and if it wasn't for the government they wouldn't have a team either so um that's uh, that would that would be my reaction all right. Well, let's let's let me ask you this sort of one last question, and I'll let you expound a little bit on it. So, um, and I'm always fascinated we're, uh, with teams that have been relocated or, or re-domiciled or or rebooted, so to speak. And and Winnipeg is certainly one of those uh, situations, right? So it's a two-pronged question, and feel free to answer it any any way you want. But number one is uh, the treatment of the history of the WHA and original NHL version of the Jets. Uh, where does that live now that the reincarnated uh, uh, Winnipeg Jets, uh, formerly the Atlanta Thrashers, for another conversation, hopefully, are now domiciled in Winnipeg, right? Where does that history uh, officially and or unofficially live? Is it in Phoenix? Is it in Winnipeg? Uh, uh, do, do people not care? Uh, obviously, the the logos and the and a lot of the uh, the imagery and all that kind of stuff from the original Jets franchise seems to have come back, but that doesn't replace or bring with it the history of the original franchise, or does it? No, they, uh, officially the the, uh, the 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 records of the uh, of the NHL franchise uh, belongs with the Arizona Coyotes. Uh, that that's the, you know, the the relocated franchise. The the WHA years. Um, I don't even know if the Coyotes even recognize it. I'm not sure they should because, you know, the team didn't play there. I mean, well, aside from being a visiting team with the Phoenix Roadrunners. Um, uh, the current team in Winnipeg does play, a, you know, has embraced the history in recent years, but not, 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 not in a big way. And, um, you know, I'm, just as happy about that too. I, I I don't like that was the Winnipeg Jets and the current team is uh, they need to go their own way. And uh, I I'd like to see that both both the WHA and the NHL Jets kind of have its own little niche in, in the in the dustbin of history. Yeah, that said though, both Arizona and the new Jets, right? There's a convenient adjunct there, right? You you have. You had you had many championship seasons in the WHA. The the winning tradition and and arguably the roots of top tier pro hockey in the city of Winnipeg, right? And and to to not you know somehow bow reverently or or occasionally remember or throw back jersey or something, even to those you know somewhat ragtag yet successful WHA years, it just seems like. That gets lost. I mean, we talked about this with with uh, 
a couple of folks on the old uh, the, the uh, uh, Minnesota North Stars and 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 the Wild that have has inherited some of that and some of the diaspora has gone to the Sharks and and the Dallas Star. I mean, it, it gets a little convoluted and you can get really historic and and anthropological about it, but. Regardless of where it gets domiciled or, you know, I'm talking to a fan, right, who kind of got hooked on the the latter years of the WHA, right? I, I'm sure there's a, a generation or two that remembers the original franchise and maybe wants to kind of graft a little bit of that, especially with the logo, into the new one. I just, I guess I'm just wondering, and it's probably not answerable, what happens to that history? And, and is it, you know, obviously it's a little crusade on this little show, but, but, but it's also not... It happened, right? And it's it it can be embraced by some by some legacies, plural that 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 exist today. I think. Yeah, yeah, and and you know I I uh, I'd love to see that history celebrated more, and it should be, but I don't think you'll see ever see the NHL do that. Even in the Hockey Hall of Fame in Toronto, I'm I'm told that the, the WHA section is listed under under minor leagues, and that's that that's a shame. And um, unfortunately, it's it's left to fans like me to you know and and on this you know on 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 your show to keep to keep those memories alive because I, I don't I, I I don't trust the NHL to do it and I, I don't and I don't think they want to do it. All right. Let's see now. The uh, website you want to uh, visit early and often is CurtisWalker.com. That's Curtis with a C, C-U-R-T-I-S, Walker, CurtisWalker.com. That is the place to find all of the uh, goodies that we uh, talked about and more, uh, including the Winnipeg Jets Memorial site. If you want to obsess about the WHA years of the Winnipeg Jets, there's the, uh, the site there. The WHA database, which we alluded to, now separated, at least for the time being, from the uh, original WHA Hall of Fame from our uh, uh, our old pal uh, Tim Gasson, who uh, obviously recently passed. Uh, we'll hope that uh, his legacy will live on in uh, in the reheating of that website. Uh, Lord knows how much uh, time and effort and blood, sweat and tears he put into to that effort. And hopefully uh, with Curtis's help and others, uh, we'll see the, uh, the light of that again. Uh, but at least the database is uh, is up and running. And uh, if you want to obsess about any just about any game that uh, that transpired in the WHA, that is the place to go. You'll find that off of his website. You'll find uh, memories about the uh, IHL years of the Manitoba Fighting Moose, uh, as well as well as interestingly the uh, handcrafted USFL database that uh, Curtis has put together. Uh, that off of his uh, fandom, strangely, which we never really found out why exactly, of the uh, USFL's New Jersey Generals. No uh, real Canadian attachment there, but uh, perhaps uh, a conversation for uh, yet another um, another discussion. Uh, books, yes, books aplenty found there, too. Uh, not only will you find all of these books and the links of such from our website at goodseatstillavailable.com, search up this episode number 177 but if you go to curtiswalker.com you'll find all of the books and more uh, but the ones we'll highlight for you here include coming up short which is uh, basically the comprehensive history of the jets years uh, in the nhl after they emerged uh, into uh, from the wha uh, the complete winnipeg jets statistical register hard to say but uh, lovely to read uh, which is uh, the comprehensive and complete stats uh, stuff of the Jets franchise. How about the Winnipeg Jets day by day? Yes, the entire WHA version of the Jets 
in a day-by-day fashion, exhaustive and detailed. Uh, that book is available as well. Uh, let's see. Uh, the Manitoba Moose, again, of the IHL. A View from Section 26 is the name of that book. Uh, Broken Wings, the sordid history of the NHL's Atlanta Thrashers, which was uh, the predecessor to the current version of the Winnipeg Jets. So that's also available there. And interestingly as well, and perhaps a uh, topic for another chat, Fallen Generals, the history of the USFL's quote-unquote glamour team. And Lord knows there's lots of uh, interesting stories and hijinks uh, from that too. Again, all that's on, on Curtis's website, again, at curtiswalker.com. Our website, again, is goodseatsstillavailable.com. All of our old episodes are there for you. Download them, share them, stream them, do whatever you want. Uh, you'll find links to our uh, various media uh, feeds, social media, that is. Uh, Twitter, we're at goodseatsstill. You'll find us on Instagram at goodseatsstillavailable. Uh, you will find us on Facebook as well. There's a page devoted to us there. Uh, you can also send us email if you'd like from the website or directly at hello, hello at goodseatsstillavailable.com. Hello at goodseatsstillavailable.com. And yes, if you want our email newsletter that we send out each and every week, usually a few hours before we kind of drop the episode, a little uh, advanced uh, warning for those in the know, you can uh, find the link on the website there to subscribe to that as well. Uh, one last uh, bit of, uh, of housekeeping. We want to say thank you to our pal, Jerry Payne, who uh, endured uh, said Atlanta Thrashers, as well as a little bit of the Atlanta Flames. Remember them? We've talked about them on some previous episodes. And uh, alas, no pro hockey uh, at the NHL level uh, in Atlanta these days, but perhaps again someday. Uh, but Jerry presses on, and that's why we love him. He uh, also uh, does uh, yeoman's-like work each and every week, putting our pieces together. We appreciate his uh, editing skills uh, to no end, and uh, he is uh, Jerry Payne, Audio Excellence, and uh, we thank you for his excellence this week, uh, as always, and we thank you, as always, for listening this far. We appreciate those uh, proverbial cards and letters. Please stay safe. Please stay healthy. Please come back for next week. Who knows what we'll be talking about, but we expect to hear you or see you or whatever you uh, just come back, will you? And uh, look forward to uh, seeing you then. Until then, please take care and bye. Bye.